Hello all, welcome to this week's edition of the Pinkin.com Norwich City Podcast. Dave Freezer here. We're also coming to you on Future Radio 107.8 FM, joined by Connor Southwell, and we have got absolutely loads to go through. It's just been pretty frantic, really, covering Norwich City at the moment. Just so much going on, pre-season getting underway, transfers left, right and centre. Uh, we've also got a couple of nice uh, bits of audio to bring you uh, during the pod. Um, I spoke to Grant Holt, City legend, this week went out to the Woodfords Brewery. Uh, we'll tell you a bit more about that later on. And Connor spoke to Evening Standard reporter Dan Kilpatrick about Oliver Skip, who um, has been signed on loan from Tottenham, as I'm sure you know by this point. Um, but, Connor, if we, if we kick off with um, the pre-season uh, element, really, um, they're, they're back in training at Colney, or the Lotus Training Centre, I suppose, as we, <laughs> as we should yeah. uh, officially call it uh, and everyone's pretty quickly noticed that that tribal Dermich and Leitner are, are not involved yeah the club have pushed a video haven't they essentially and put a few videos on on their social channel um this morning which is Wednesday as we record this of, of the players back in action I kind of wondered um why we because um, I think from from what we know they've been back since Monday but obviously with the two editions this week that might be why they've sort of uh, delayed pushing out what they've pushed out but yeah, three noticeable absentees. I've seen a lot of people read a lot into squad numbers as well, which is always incredibly hard to do at this time of year. Um, yeah, I, I think one caveat with, with trial would be the fact that his wife, judging by Instagram, looks um, pretty much due, doesn't she, for a baby. So um, I, I would imagine he's been given a, a leave of absence anyway. Mo Leitner, we've, we've seen again, has, has posted on his social media channels of sort of individual work that he's doing. I think he was in a Dortmund shirt a couple of days ago. Um, so, so he's very much still in Germany. And Jostik Dermich as well has been posting these interesting videos of him in the woods throwing oh, logs yeah, at Very rocky, wasn't it? <laughs> Yeah, it was. Yeah, which is uh, which is quite interesting. Um, but so so yeah, three noticeable absentees. I, I would imagine we'll we'll probably um, hear probably a few more bits about departures as, as the weeks go on uh, towards the, the start of the season. Because uh, in terms of additions, they they look pretty close. I would say to being probably uh, probably done. Yeah, and um, the the crown jewels as they're sort of becoming known at the moment. Godfrey, Aaron's Campwell. Uh, Lewis and Wendy, yeah, they were all uh, shown in training, weren't they? So they're all still there. Um, but, you know, as we're expecting Tribal Leitner and, and Dermich to, to be looking for new clubs, aren't we? That seems to be pretty um, uh, clear at this point. Um, squad numbers, I think you can sort of read a bit into them, can't you? But just don't, they're not written in stone at this point. But um, you, I think there's a, there's a few hints. I just wouldn't be necessarily rushing to get that number on the back of your shirt just yet <laughs> because uh, you don't certainly no tattoos at this point if you if you really are over eager um, but one player not involved at this point um, Sam Byram that was that's the sort of big injury news we had last week before the transfer stuff kicked off wasn't it and um, a, a bit more surgery for him just to clear up this hamstring injury uh, a 12 week spell so I, I guess with this one everyone's sort of doing their maths a little bit aren't they in terms of Max Ahrens um, he's possibly going to be back in contention by mid-October isn't he or back in training at least and and the transfer window closes October 16th isn't it so uh, this one I think is going to keep us guessing guessing right to the end of the window maybe yeah and I think it, it probably tells us that if if um, Max is, is one who departs we probably won't see that until the latter end of the window certainly um, although they have brought in more cover haven't they with Bally Mumba who is who's going to understudy Max Ahrens which is going to be interesting to see how he gets on in that role given last year he, he, he played at South Shields in non-league and perhaps hasn't played too many games for Sunderland so there's an interesting element to that but yeah I think I think that's perfectly natural that people sort of do the do the maths and try and work things out but I think it's, it's probably made a move away for Max probably um, a bit unlikelier because of the situation certainly in this window um, so that might be one that they say to him look we might have to push it on to January if that's the case um, of course I think Spurs are, are, are very keen as I think everyone knows by now of, of him and that he's a player they like although um, certainly a few sort of journalists around there seem to indicate and I think Dan did as well on, on the chat we had the other day suggesting that although they like him he, he might not be their first target Mourinho probably thinks he's a bit small and um, he certainly probably doesn't fit as a Mourinho player that you would expect so yeah it, it might be a case that he has to wait and it might work out better for Norwich um, that he does stay but equally if Byron does come back then that's still three right backs that you've got so there's there's that element to it as well um, but it, I, I really feel for, for Sam because he, he, was, he was pretty good last year actually in the spells that he played and 
obviously got this injury, which looks, I mean, we could all see it against Liverpool, couldn't we? As soon as it happened, uh, it, was, it was hamstring. And again, no, no luck really with what has happened since with, uh, with needing surgery on it. And um, yeah, hopefully when he does get back, that'll be that resolve now because uh, he's, he's been probably extending his career sort of more broadly. He's been unlucky with injuries, but certainly since he joined Norwich. And I think in the small glimpses that we have seen him, whether that's at right back or at left back, we've, we've seen the quality that he does have. So if they can get that, out of him consistently in the championship, then I think everyone can see that they've got a really top fullback there, even if Max Aarons was to depart. Yeah, he's, he's a nice lad and he has had some real big problems with injuries during the course of his career so far. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, if Sam Byram's fit and firing, then he could well be the best right back in the championship next year if Max Aarons isn't playing in the championship for the full season. But, um, you know, if you're a Norwich fan sat here in this position, of, of all the players that have come in at the moment, um, I think you're feeling pretty secure because if Max is the right back this season, you're going to be pretty pleased with that, aren't you? The same as Jamal Lewis was included in that championship team of the season in 2019, was the EFL Young Player of the Season. He's now in England under 21 international. So if Max Aarons is, is the right back this season, I think Norwich, Norwich fans are pretty happy. Uh, in terms of injuries, though, uh, Grant Hanley um, looks like he's hoping to be back early doors, isn't he? But there was a, there's a blow for... Aston Oxborough with an, an Achilles injury, which he looks like he, he was going on loan to Salford but um, in, in League Two. But an Achilles injury is pretty nasty, as, as Louis Thompson knows full well. And, and I was interested, looking at the uh, video, the club power training, Dan Barden uh, is essentially the third choice at the moment, isn't he, with, with Krull and, uh, and McGovern. And, and he's a big lad. He's, he's a Wales youth international as well, isn't he? Yeah, uh, under-19s international, I think, for Wales. Yeah, and, and yeah, very big lad. I think he spent last year on loan at Berry Town uh, in, in non-league. So um, he's, he's had a little bit of exposure to senior football as well. But I think from, from their perspective, it's it's Cruel and McGovern, isn't it, as your first as your first two. And then if, if that homegrown quote where he's being pushed, then Barden can come in and, and, and go on to the bench. You know, I don't think they've got really any real concerns of that. And what that does allow, again, is Archie Mayer to go out and get a season at Kings Lynn and... Barden's probably a, a little bit younger and, and probably could do with a little bit of development as well. So um, I don't think it's, it's necessarily a bad move. They're, they're obviously blessed with quite a few young goalkeepers. Oxford's one you mentioned. And, and that injury is, is a really big blow for him because it would have been interesting to see him get a chance at EFL level after a very good loan with, uh, with Wheelstone last year and after what they, what they achieved in terms of their promotion. So um, it's, it's a blow for him and, and you just hope he can come back stronger and and get another EFL loan, if not to Salford, then to somewhere else um, whenever he's back fit, whether that's in January or, or towards the end of the season. Um, but yeah, I, I don't expect us to see a goalkeeper come in the door, certainly this window. I think long-term, it's probably a position they're going to have to look at because obviously of the ages of, of Cruel and McGovern. I think um, there's, there's a 10-year gap, isn't there, between Cruel and Oxborough, for example. So that's quite a big one to bridge. So, But it's very difficult, I think, signing any goalkeeper and telling them that they're probably going to be a reserve to, to Tim Krul. So it's a difficult situation. Um, and I think you probably can't blame them for going with Dan Barden, I would say, as their, as their third choice. And also, it's, it's a great experience for the lad if he does get some minutes in the cup or even if he's included in a matchday squad. I think these are all valuable experiences. And I think also we've seen that Norwich know how to deal with young players and, and, and how to manage youth development. So um, it's it's going to be a, a good year of exposure to, to a first-team environment for him and to train with, with two international goalkeepers, essentially, as well. So these experiences, I, I don't think, are necessarily bad things. And um, he obviously had a loan last year. And if he does well, then, again, that, that probably allows Norwich to then push him out next year to, to an EFL club or to a or to a National League club and, and say, look, he's trained really well with us. He's been included in the squad a few times. It probably just helps raise his profile and, and maybe a, a, a decent move, loan move for, for next season or, or the years to come. So um, I, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. But yeah, a massive blow for Oxford for sure. I think Barry were as uh, step three of non-league last year when they same same level as lower stuff, um, if I'm right. He was on the books at Arsenal previously as well before. So um, and I think in terms of the homegrown rule, Welsh players are considered the same as English, aren't they? Because of the whole Cardiff, Swansea, Newport situation in the Football League, as opposed to Scottish players like Archie Mayer, who's gone to Kingsland on loan. Uh, players from north of the border don't count as homegrown unless they've been, <laughs> let's not get into it too much, but unless you're signed before you're 18 and then you've been with the club for three years. For instance, I, I think I'm right in saying that Adam Eder, despite the fact that he's Irish, um, is now or uh, so, yes is now qualified as a homegrown player because he's been with the club for three years despite the fact that he, he's not from England or Wales. But let's not get into the um, 
<laughs> my new shy of homegrown quotas. I, I think we can probably sum that up as saying that Norwich are looking okay on that front at the moment. And um, hopefully it won't be quite as um, close cut as it was at times during, uh, two seasons ago. Um, right, let's get stuck into the transfer stuff because it's, it's, there's been loads of it, hasn't there? But let's start with Jordan Hugill, um, which uh, is, is a story which um, has really generated a, a lot of talk. Broke on Tuesday night that... Um, Norwich are talking to West Ham about the possibility of signing him a striker. Um, what what do you make of that? Tell, tell us tell us sort of what what you know about Hugo so far. Well, I, I was kind of um, like many Norwich fans. I think I've probably done a one eighty overnight in this. And, and last night <laughs> when it broke, I was kind of like, well, that's not that's not a very Norwich City signing. Um, and, and I must say, every time I've seen Jordan Hugo play, he's not been a player that I thought, wow, you know. Um, but actually, when I've digested it a bit more, well, he's, he's 28 and it is perhaps a, a, on the cusp of their age profile, but it, he, he does fit into that. Um, he does offer them some physicality, which we know they want, which is what Stuart Webber made clear to us in, in his interview with us a, a couple of months ago. Um, he's he's going to be aerially very good, which I think they need probably in both boxes from set pieces. You only have to look at the issues of last season. Um, and in many ways, it's it's similar to the role, I think, if he did come in, that Jordan Rhodes played in, in that championship winning season of, OK, he might not score 15, 20 goals, but the six or seven that he does score may be critical. And, and maybe the, the difference between Norwich getting a, a point and three points. And, and that's the kind of striker you need, I think. And um, scored 13 goals at QPR last year as well. And uh, I think if you're looking for championship proven strikers, then as a rule, they come as a premium. And I, I know the five million fee has been waved about, but... We're certainly not expecting that all to be up front. I think there would, there would be various clauses and add-ons that um, probably dependent on how he does and how the club does um, in regards to the next season. And and if it's to go through, and I, I think actually it would probably be a, a, an astute addition, someone who, who knows the division, um, who works tirelessly, who, um, again, maybe isn't the most technical, isn't isn't the most um, rounded technically and, and, and probably isn't the best natural finisher in the world but what he does give you is a bit of an edge and um, he, he linked up very well with, with Naki Wells at QPR and well if you, if you look at the sort of player that Naki Wells is and then maybe Timu Puki then that's maybe not a, a, a too dissimilar partnership that he could strike at Norwich so um, yeah I've, I've done a bit of a 180 from being perhaps a little bit bemused to actually it making a little bit of sense but um, he's, he's an interesting player he's obviously come up through non-league pretty quickly as well so he's probably a, a as, as you tweeted last night, there's some car- uh, comparisons with a, a former Norwich City number nine in that regard. And if he turns out anything like he does, um, then, then I think uh, Norwich will have done all right. So it's it's uh, if it does happen, it's an interesting addition. It, it, there's probably a wider debate, maybe about the recruitment strategy this summer in general. I think, and maybe how it's how it's altered a little bit and, and been tweaked. But um, yeah, I don't think Jordan Hugo would, would be too bad of an addition. Um, I, I don't know your thoughts on it, but I, I just think he, he may be off offers them a, a little bit of something that they don't have currently. Yeah, it just immediately it screams to me that he's the, the Jordan Rhodes option from, from two years ago. You know, somebody that offers a different dynamic to, to Pookie and Ida. Someone that has got a bit of aerial ability. I think he's quite an aggressive, strong player. That uh, You know, I'm not, not saying he's as good as Grant Holt, obviously, but Grant Holt had a, a, an amazing career for Norwich City and, and did it at the top level as well. But I when you look at his highlights, particularly when he was at Preston, I do think there's a similarity there. And, and Norwich signed Holt at a similar age. twenty, I think he was 27, maybe 28 Holt when he arrived here, wasn't he? So um, I, I quite like the sound of it, really. I quite like the idea of there being a, a plan B striker almost. You never know if he hits the ground running, then you know he could end up being the main man. Um, as we record here on Wednesday, I think all we can really say is that as far as we know, the interest is genuine, isn't it? I, I don't think he's sort of on the verge of signing at the moment. It may well be that West Ham have sort of leaked the interest for the time being because they're trying to generate a bit of a, of a bidding war for him. Um, but QPR to have signed a, a striker from, from Livingston, don't they? So that um, put, seems to have put them out of the running. Um, he's, he, he's from Middlesbrough, isn't he? But his loan there didn't go particularly well under, under Tony Pulis. Um, so I, I quite like the sound of it, but... Um, as as we sit here, it, it's not a, it's not written in stone that he's going to be that third option, is it? Josip Dermich hasn't gone anywhere yet either. But the fact that this has made it into the public domain that Norwich are this 
serious about uh, this type of a striker would suggest that Dermich probably has found um, a couple of decent leads as to as to a new club. So um, that's going to be it's going to be a really interesting one to monitor. But um, as far as strikers go, I, I think most Norwich fans are just thinking the biggest thing is to get Pookie firing again, isn't it? Get those chances, um, you know, threaded through to him and, and hope that him and him and Dow can um, strike up a, a bit of an understanding. But I mean, of course, at the moment, you've still got Steve and Campwell Buendia there. Um, whether they still will be once the season really gets going, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. It's going to be such an interesting time. Um, so let's continue that theme on the transfer front. Um, we'll come back to Oliver Skip because, um, we, as I say, we've got this chat that you had with the Evening Standard reporter, Dan Kilpatrick, to, to tell us more about Oliver Skip. But he's probably one that the Norwich fans would already know a bit about. He played against Norwich in the FA Cup for Tottenham. Um, but um, Tuesday was the big day, wasn't it, with um, Louis Thompson and, and Philip Heiser sort of kicking things off by going out on loan. And then, and then the arrival of, of Xavi Quintia, from Villarreal, who you've been uh, doing a bit of research on. Yeah, so someone who came through Barcelona's academy, which I think is well, everyone knows the prestige of that football club, regardless of perhaps what happened a, a week or so ago and the events that have followed. I think um, you only need to look at the sides that he won the, the UEFA, um, what was it, Youth League with in, in 2014, Adama Traore, uh, Munir, who, who was part of the Sevilla squad that beat Manchester United um, last week. So plenty of pedigree, technically very, very good. Um, I spoke to, to Jamie Kemble, who is um, a senior football writer at the, the Leicester Mercury and also a Villarreal fan. Um, and, and he essentially suggested that he's, he's probably got a bit of work to do defensively. Um, but in terms of his offensive output and his, and his technique, he's, he's a very good footballer. Um, so, so I think he, he probably fits the mould, really. I think he's someone that Norwich have been looking at for a while. They, they were linked with him in January, weren't they? He had six months on his contract then and then signed a new deal with Villarreal in February. And then Unai Emery has, has come in and I think probably looks to or wants to revamp that left-back position. Alberto Moreno, who uh, used to play at Liverpool, is is ahead of him. But his, his last appearance with Villarreal came against Real Madrid a month ago, um, made 19 appearances in, in La Liga. So on the surface, this is a, a pretty impressive loan deal, I think, for Norwich City to get done in the Championship. Of course, the, the, similar to, to the discussion we had about Sam Byram and his injury, I think it's, it's interesting to see now what happens with that left-back position and whether there's any more sort of Premier League interest in Jamal Lewis. And again, whether that Ben Chilwell deal gets done, I think, to Chelsea for, what, £70 million is, is the reported fee and, and what the knock-on effects of that mean and whether Leicester is, or Jamal Lewis is someone that Leicester would like and, and would look at. I think that that's all left to play out. But... Um, if, if Lewis is, is a Norwich City player, then quite simply Sam McCallum will, will head out on loan. And they, they've had a, a series of, of loan inquiries from him, I've, I think, from, from both the Championship and League One. And my guess would be that Coventry would, would be keen on, on getting him back for their, for their um, Championship push this year. So I, I think there, there's options in that left-back position. They're blessed to have, to have three really good options, I think, regardless of what happens. But in terms of Quintier, in terms of his pedigree... Um, in terms of the fact he's he's been playing against the likes of Messi and 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 uh, I guess Ronaldo when he was in La Liga as well, but but equally some really good wingers out there in, in the Spanish top flight probably suggests that um, he, he should he should be quite a, a shrewd acquisition. It's it's just a case of um, where we see him. He can play at left centre back as well. We know that's a position that they've been looking at, and whether that now means that they'll go out and buy an out-and-out centre-back or loan an out-and-out centre-back or whether they, they feel he can cover both positions. Again, that's an interesting element to it. But um, yeah, Barcelona's a, a academy, Villarreal. Um, I think he was linked with Arsenal as well when he was 15, very similar to, to how Cesc Fabregas moved. I think there was, there was talk of a similar thing happening there. It didn't materialise. I think he, he picked Villarreal in the end and um, has developed his game there, worked his way into the first team and, and become a real credible option. But I think the changing circumstances at that club and, and perhaps how they want to progress under Emery has probably meant that his situation has changed. And I think Norwich have taken advantage of that. And of course, there's the, um, the permanent option, isn't there? Um, which I think the club said they can activate um, at any point during this season. But I think... Um, the, from the Spanish end, they're, they're suggesting it becomes mandatory if Norwich City get promotion. So uh, a bit of flexibility as well if he does well, which is which I think is what you want really from from an addition like him. So um, yeah, quite quite an interesting signing, um, and it will be interesting to see how he fits in and what it means for the left back position and, and probably um, Jamal Lewis. I, I would suggest. Yeah, he, J 
joins a uh, sort of list of Spanish left-backs who've been at Norris, isn't there? Yavi Garrido, <laughs> Victor Segura, uh, Juan Velasco, if anyone remembers him. <laughs> um, I don't particularly remember seeing him play. Segura was all right at times, but um, in uh, a time which wasn't exactly a vintage Norwich City days. Um, but I, I think this is a pretty decent signing. You know, a guy who's playing regularly in the Liga being willing to step down to the championship because he likes what he sees of Norwich he likes what he's been told uh, sees it as a good way of getting to the Premier League um, I, I like the photo on, on your profile piece which uh, of course you can read at pinkin.com of uh, him desperately chasing after Lionel Messi when they're playing against Barcelona there's no shame in that of course but you know arguably the greatest player of all time um, certainly wants um once he stopped playing, I think people will maybe appreciate that a, a little bit more. But um, not being able to keep keep hold of Messi is probably not, <laughs> there's no shame in that. So he, you know, and, and then he could well be lining up against Rotherham or Wickham or whoever on the opening day of the Championship season, uh, not too far from here. Um, so Heiser, the cu- the curious case of, of Philip Heiser, what what a strange Norwich City career that's been. He he goes back out on loan to Karlsruhe in back in Bundesliga two over in Germany. Still got two years on his contract, and and we've still not really seen much of him at all, have we? But I guess that they probably struggled to to sort of move him on permanently because he would have signed decent wages when he arrived in what January twenty nineteen. He's yeah, it's a really interesting one. He's, he's still not made a league appearance for Norwich. I think he's made the bench a few times, hasn't he? And of course, played in that in that cup defeat to Crawley last season, and beyond that. I mean, I I haven't really seen him play, so I couldn't really give a, a an accurate comment on him. Um, to be completely, I mean, I saw him in a, in a couple of the preseason friendlies last season, but beyond that, I, I haven't really seen him in a Norwich City shirt. And I think that's probably the same for a lot of supporters. So, yeah, there is a bit of mystery about it. And for all the the credit we've perhaps given Stuart Weber and and Daniel Farker and the recruitment team for for various bits of business, I think beyond last season, perhaps, but certainly in that championship title winning season. Um, this is one that hasn't really worked out for for either party, I think. And um, whether he was signed as as a, a championship option, and again the club sort of pushed on before he before he was ready or before he could catch up, is is a different matter. But um, yeah, a, a really curious um, signing, a really curious player, I think. And um, it seems that the Bundesliga two is is sort of his level. He was there last year, wasn't he? He, was, he, he played in that level at that level when when Norwich signed him as well. So. Um, a really interesting one, but I, I don't expect to, to see him in a Norwich shirt. If <laughs> maybe not, maybe not again, but but certainly not in the in the near future. But it'll be interesting to see if he if he has a decent season with uh, well back in back in Germany because I think he was he was a bit bit part last year, wasn't he? Um, online, yeah, for Nuremberg, yeah, he. <sighs> He was sort of in and out. I think he made 12 appearances, but only five were starts. You know, he did set up a few. I think they generally used him as a winger. And when he first signed for Norwich, he was sort of billed as being a bit more of a wing-back anyway. And from what we've seen of him, he's, he's clearly got a decent left foot on him. He likes to try and put the ball in the box quite quickly. But he just reminded me of Yannick Wilskut a bit uh, in, t- in the, sort of his running style. You know, he's a big stocky lad, uh, strong. Um, but, you know, one, once he had the ball, it was kind of a bit head down, charge forward, see see who could bang out of the way and then just chuck the ball on the box not too much um, subtlety perhaps there but but who knows you know if he has a he has a good season and, and Norwich don't manage to get promoted um next this season then you, you never know he might come back in pre-season and, and be able to force his way in but I think he's 29 now as well so it's it's not looking particularly likely uh, and and Louis Thompson uh, you know it goes back to MK Dons alongside Carlton Morris playing under Russell Martin I, I suppose there's no no real great surprise there it's, it's the injuries have been the big issue for Louis, really, haven't they? Yeah, I, I really feel for him. I remember a, a performance, uh, I think it was under Alex Neal when Norwich played Leeds and he was man of the match that day and was was excellent. I think Norwich actually lost the game, but he, he was very good. And you actually thought, um, here we go, this could be someone who, who could replace Alex Tetty in that position. And it's just not worked for him, has it? And, and he's been so unlucky with injuries. And it's clear, I think, for everyone that, that there's a player in there. I mean, they only ruled him with a, a new contract to what, 2018, I think, late 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a player that Daniel Farker likes. And he kind of summed up his, his Norwich City career, didn't it? When he came on against Aston Villa and within three minutes, he dislocated his shoulder and was off again. And you, you can't help but feel sorry for him, really, um, because he's, he's, he's not had any luck with, with fitness and with injuries. Um, my hope now is that he goes to MK Dons and, and just gets back to playing consistently and playing regularly under Russell Martin. And clearly, looking at his quotes yesterday, clearly a guy who, who really likes him and, 
Um, said if they get a fit and fire in Louis Thompson in League One, then they're now one of the best players in the division. And, you know, that's probably not an understatement given the, the, the few bits of him we've seen in the Championship. He certainly looks good enough to play at that level. It's just been getting him to a level where he can play there consistently. And um, I think we saw last year of his loan at Shrewsbury that perhaps he was um, getting his body back to a standard that he was comfortable with and that he was happy with and had a, a, a much better sort of second half of the campaign with MK Dons, although I don't think he sort of stood out particularly, but Russell Martin praised his, his, his sort of ethic off the pitch and um, the way he'd improved the culture in the dressing room along with, with Carlton Morris. So if he can get a full season under his belt, and let's say theoretically Norwich City don't get promoted, then I can still realistically see a route for him if he impresses MK Dons. But it just kind of um, feels like with the options they have in midfield now and how bloated that is and with his injury problems, it, it does kind of feel like the ship has sailed for him. But ultimately, the most important thing is that he gets back to a level that he can play consistently um, and that he's happy with. Because I think that's the most important thing. It's, it's been a very tough sort of few years for, for Louis Thompson. And if he can have a productive season at MK Dons, then I think Norwich fans will be very happy with that because uh, he's been he's been very unlucky in, in, in what's happened since he signed, really. I mean, he's only made a handful of appearances, hasn't he, since 2014. So... Um, it's it's a shame because I think we all saw the, the, the prospect that he could have been. He's now 25, so um, still perhaps room for, for a bit of growth. But I think in terms of Norwich City, again, it, it may be one that has, has perhaps passed him by a little bit, sadly. Yeah, it's going to need to be a proper League One campaign for him this year, isn't it? I think Russ was pretty careful with him when he was on loan. I don't think he played many full matches at all. I think quite often was coming off just after the hour mark if he'd started a game. So... Yeah, for him, if if he's ever going to have a future with Norwich, which he still has the possibility of with his contract, particularly if they don't manage to get promoted this season, then that needs to be you know a full season at a good level in League One. And and you know Carlton Morris, this is the last year of his contract, so you would have thought he'll be the last of the FA Youth Cup winners to to leave the club, um, which would be sad really. Although of course that group did bring the Murphys through and Harry Toffolo has gone on to, to make it in the championship with Huddersfield and things like that. So um, that's still a pretty decent rate for, for an under 18 squad, isn't it? And with a few of, a few of the others um, sort of smattered around the football league. Um, but um, just finally then, in the same position, defensive midfielder, Oliver Skip arrives from Spurs, season long though. Big reputation. The Spurs fans seem to, to absolutely love him. Jose Mourinho said he could be a future club captain. Um, We'll bring in your man from the Evening Standard in just a minute, but um, I think uh, this this has got pretty big uh, positive reaction from from the fans, really, hasn't it? He seems like someone who's definitely got the ability. You know, if you look at maybe Mason Mount at Derby, different type of player, but shows that the the Premier League youngsters can certainly have an impact at the Championship. But as ever with with loans, you're just that little bit reticent aren't you obviously with Tottenham you can look at Harry Kane and, and Marcus Edwards who had fairly bad loan spells um, but for me my mind goes to Harrison Reed, of course in Daniel Farker's first season who came from Southampton at a young age and was okay but it certainly didn't really tear up any trees and arguably looked better at right back towards the end of that season so it's a big ask for a 19 year old lad to come in and, and, and be a real mainstay of a team that wants to get promotion yeah, it is. I, I think if I was going to make the exact comparison, Harrison Reed. I think it, it, it feels a bit like that. And I, and I wonder if we'll see Daniel Farker go back to the 4 one one sort of, or however you want to sort of categorise it in, a, in and out of possession. But the, the 4 one one with the natural sort of holding midfielder, like we saw him doing it in a few pre-season friendlies when Harrison Reed came in and whether they sort of envisage Skip as a bit of a, um, a bit more of a, a physical option in that position. So I think that was always maybe the, the slight issue with Harrison Reid, although subsequently, I think at Fulham, he, he had a wonderful season last year. Um, maybe his physicality a little bit. But there, there are two elements to this that perhaps make me think a little bit differently in terms of a young lad coming from a, a so-called big club is the fact he, want, he wanted to go out on loan. It wasn't Spurs. I mean, Jose Mourinho said in, in some of his, his quotes that um, he didn't particularly want him to go out on loan if he was going to be selfish, but probably the best thing for his career. So he wanted to go out on loan and he chose Norwich, um, as, as uh, you, you'll bring in my chat with Dan, as, as he speaks about it. He did a lot of research into the move into the club, um, made sure that it was going to be a club that he was going to be playing regularly at, that um, was a style of play that suited him. So I um, and had lots of offers as well from the Championship and, and also Germany, and I think uh, Traps on Spore as well were, were after him. So Norwich have, have sort of fought off a lot of competition for him. And um, again, that, that probably shows you that Norwich is a club that, and a place that he wants to be. And I think that's, that's probably helpful. And he can probably see 
um, the way that has benefited the likes of Mason Mount, Tammy Abraham as well, who had a really good campaign in the championship and then went back to play for Chelsea. Um, I'd even throw Dan James in there. He wasn't on loan at Swansea, but had a really good campaign and then got, and then got into Manchester United's first team. So there, there is a proof that if you're a young player and, and you do perform in the championship consistently at a good level, um, at a club competing at the top end, then there is a pathway sort of in, into, into your side. And, and I think he is one that Spurs fans like and sort of view. And Mourinho's comments probably probably flame, inflame those. And I think Pochettino was a massive fan as well. Um, I, he gave him his debut, didn't he, against Burnley in, in 2018, I think, um, when he was very, very young. So it's, it's an interesting one. It's going to be interesting to see how he adapts to a full season and, and how he adapts to a competitive environment like the Championship because it's not going to be the case... Um, in in some uh, let's let's say Norwich going to Rotherham, that's going to be a real scrap. How does he live? How does he uh, sort of contend with that? I think they're, they're, they're the interesting elements. I think when Norwich are on the ball and they're playing decent football, I think as a young player, it's it's fairly uh, it's a fairly comfortable system to be in. But when they're coming up and, and they've got to go to a wall with certain teams, then that, it's going to be interesting to see how he thrives in that as a young lad on loan. Because I think that's really where sort of the good loans and the bad loans stand out for me. And if we talk about last year, and again, lots of the bad loans that Norwich City did were players. Um, probably harsh to include Ralph Firmin in that who didn't really get a chance but certainly in terms of Andre Duda who perhaps weren't willing to go to battle when Norris City needed them to so if he can do that and he can sort of bed himself into the squad then on the surface again like Quintia plenty of pedigree looks a very astute and very clever signing um, whether it turns out that way um, will, will be another thing but I think for the lad himself he needs a, a really decent loan to try and sort of stake his claim at Spurs so I think he'll be keen to do well as well yeah, I don't think Fairman can be uh, considered a sort of bad loan. He certainly had an impact on Tim Krull as well. And Krull has spoken about that since, after he won player of the season. And, and Amadou as well. I, I look back on him and think it's, it's a shame that didn't work out for him. If he could have been a defensive midfielder from the start rather than having to cover at centre-back, uh, I think he could have done well. Because I was go back to that game against Arsenal, the 2-2 home draw, when he, he was really good, wasn't he? And um, it's a shame. But it, I think the language barrier was quite a big issue for him, wasn't it? And, and a big, big reason for him sort of not settling on one wanting to go in January but um, anyway on, on Skip um, I've got quite a few mates who, who support Tottenham and um, one of them said to me that he's quite similar to Harry Winks which is obviously great to hear because he's an England international and he's, he's quite uh, your sort of modern pivot isn't he you know he's got that defensive um, tenacity but he's good on the ball as well which you know we have seen from Tom Tribal as well in the, in the past but Tribal has never been too far away from an injury and uh, it's sort of consistency really isn't it because he he, he, some games he looked really good defensively. Sometimes he looked really good on the ball, but um, I wouldn't say he was. Um, you know, he wasn't as good as Teddy defensively, and he wasn't as good as Leitner on the ball. So he was somewhere in between, wasn't he? So that's going to be really interesting. Let's hear what uh, Dan Kilpatrick from the Evening Standard newspaper. He covers London clubs, including Tottenham. Let's hear what he had to say about Oliver Skip. What sort of player in Norwich City inheriting for this season? Well, it's, it's not totally clear what kind of player he is yet because he hasn't played enough. He only played 105 minutes for Spurs last season. But, I mean, look, essentially he's, he's a holding midfield player or that's where he wants to play. Um, I've heard people at Spurs describe him as a kind of cross between Eric Dyer when he was a midfielder and Harry Winks. Um, from what I've seen, he is good on the ball. He always shows for it. He wants the ball at his feet and he's quick at moving it on. He's tidy at moving it on. Um, he also get stuck into an extent I wouldn't say he's a kind of uh, destroyer or a, or a battler really but look, he's not shy in the tackle um, we haven't seen too much of him in a Spurs shirt kind of pushing on into the final third yet that might be something he has an opportunity to do for Norwich in the championship but he hasn't really done that yet so yeah it's it's, it's kind of tricky to say I mean the other thing that's probably worth saying is he spent a lot of um the restart training at right back. So he is versatile. The Spurs were short of cover there. So he um, he was kind of training as, as an understudy while um, Jeff at Tanganga was injured. So he's versatile. He's tidy. He's confident. Um, but I'm kind of looking forward to, to seeing what he can do every week um, as, as much as you are, I suppose. Yeah, you, you broke this story this morning. I think um, someone else reported it initially and you picked up on it. Uh, it, was, it was sort of your report, the, the one that was picked up widely by Norwich fans. You also sort of um, said later on that there have been a few clubs in for him that Norwich had essentially won the race for him. What, what do you think, from Spurs' perspective, is the reason that Norwich City have sort of won that race? Do you think why why is Oli Skip chose to join Norwich? Yeah, I don't think it's a thing from Spurs' perspective really. I think it's Skip who's made the choice rather than Tottenham. Uh, I think essentially 
what happened was is Skip signed a new contract, a four-year contract last month for Spurs. And one of the conditions for him signing was he said he wants to go out on loan and play a season. And I think actually Mourinho quite wanted to keep him at Spurs. And he's on record saying, you know, he wants he wants him there because he wants a, a good squad player around the place. But Skip wanted to go out. He wants to play kind of 30-plus games next season. He wants to get, you know, a bit of scar tissue. He wants to um, get toughened up in, you know, ideally in the championship. And I know that Fulham were were really leading the chase for him before they went up. But actually, once they got promoted, uh, they became less appealing to Skip because I think, you know, he might as well have stayed at Spurs and, and, and played a few games with the bench. What he really wants is... Sorry. Um, what he really wants is to be playing every week in, in a kind of progressive passing side at the top of the, the championship. And I, I know that he's looked at Tammy Abraham and, and Mason Mount in particular, some of the lads at Chelsea who kind of leapfrog from the second tier on loan to being Chelsea regulars and, and England regulars. So they're an example for him. Um, he did his research, I was told. You know, he looked at the clubs, the managers. He had offers from around Europe. He had a couple of offers from Germany. He even had an offer from Trabzonspor um, in Istanbul. Um, there are a couple of other championship clubs in for him, including Reading uh, and Middlesbrough, I think. Um, so, yeah, he had loads of options because he's a good young player and in England under-21 international. But I think he looked at Norwich. He looked at the way they play. He looked at the fact that Farker's already won promotion and knows how to get out of that league. Um, and I think he reasoned that he'll have a good chance of, of playing and, and playing the right kind of football as well. Right, so um, we know the first opponents of the season. Uh, we don't know when it will be just yet. Uh, currently scheduled for Saturday, September the 5th for the League Cup first round. A trip to Luton, but that, that could move because of the international window. You know, Norwich could well be it without Pookie, Lewis, Krull, McLean, etc. at that point. So um, we'll have to see when the, the date is confirmed. But um, a championship opposition, Connor, for, um, for the first round is going to be potentially quite difficult because Luton had a real resurgence under Nathan Jones well after the restart last season didn't they yeah I mean we, we talk about managers and clubs I think Nathan Jones just and, and Luton Town seem to seem to work don't they certainly after that league one campaign as well and probably a side who, who like to play football as well so that that, that might suit suit Norwich City to an extent um, I, I'm just thankful it, it, it didn't go in the same vein and I'm sure we'll come on to the FL Trophy draw <laughs> as that and, and it wasn't a long trip to Plymouth, Cheltenham or, or Newport which I think the young lads have got which is, uh, which is a bit harsh but uh, yeah it's, I, I think it's, it's a fairly decent draw for Norwich it's just going to be interesting as you say when that takes place and what sort of squad they have because I think it's sort of up to the um, looking at the EFL website uh, yesterday when that draw was made it's sort of up to the two clubs to decide whether it gets moved and um, if Norwich have a lot of players on international duty but Luton don't are Luton going to be receptive to that I don't know. it's going to be an interesting one to see how that works out of course Norwich will have a lot of players going on on sort of youth international duty as well I think Bally Mumbo England under 19s and Poeta goes away with Poland under 21s as well so it's hard to sort of see what that squad will look like really it'll be certainly quite a depleted one if that game does take place on the fifth so um, whether it does get moved forward or backwards um, either way it's going to make the schedule interesting because if they've then got an EFL um, cup game in the middle of pre-season then that's certainly an interesting dynamic but then if it's too close to the season I, I doubt they'll be wanting to, to to have that given all their players are going to be all over the world playing on, on international duty I think they'll, they'll want them back um, a week or so before the season so they can sort of fully prepare for that for that opening game so it's probably an, a, a tricky one time-wise um, and again in terms of the squad going to be really interesting so I, I'm intrigued about this one and um, again how much resource they sort of throw at the cup this year we know Daniel Farker really likes the cups and he likes to go strong in the cups and um, obviously we saw them get knocked out last year at Crawley I think there's probably less of a disgrace if they went out to Luton who of course play in their fellow division or are in their division as well but um, equally it's a game that Norwich City will be favourites for and um, regardless of what Norwich City squad turns up I think that there's, there's going to be a little bit of expectation that they go there certainly from supporters that they go there and get through to the next round so um, that's an interesting dynamic and it's, it's also a bit of a shame it's not a Carrow because that was 
obviously the first game that they were targeting as being a, a potential test event that fans would have been uh, allowed to come and see. So there's that element to it as well. But yes, I think in terms of the draw itself and in terms of some of the options in, in that southern section, I think they could have done a lot worse. Um, but it's, it's a shame it's not home tie. Yeah, it's, it could be quite an odd one. It could just be like a friendly, essentially. Mm-hmm. And obviously... The cups are not the priority this year. You know, if, if if they went out in the first round, and as long as they didn't do it in too much of an embarrassing style, then I don't think anyone's going to be um, crying too much because with the condensed season as well of how busy it's going to be cramming those forty-six championship games in, um, the only thing that of course matters from this point is is bouncing back to the Premier League at the first attempt, if at all possible. Uh, although you know, if if they don't quite manage it this year it's not not the end of the world but it, just financially they would be in such a, a good position if they could bounce back straight away that you suspect that uh, another top flight crack would be very different to last season but you know I'm sure we'll we'll come back to those sort of things uh, throughout the season although as we know I am banning the p-word before Christmas I've sat on my stool nice and early on that one uh, don't want to be talking about that. Um, we've got plenty of time to, to talk about the league. But, the yeah, the trophy, I mean, regionalised is uh, not the word to be using here, is it? Plymouth, Cheltenham and Newport. Uh, I think, um, well, away games for fans this year look pretty unlikely anyway, full stop, um, I would have said, in, in, in my opinion. Um, whether we'll or how we'll be able to cover away games is equally a little bit up in the air at the moment because as we saw um, in the Premier League last year, we weren't able to get all of us to all of the games, were we, um, in terms of, of away matches. I went to Manchester City on my own on the, on the final day, so we don't know. But um, we may well have to draw straws for the Plymouth trip if, <laughs> if we're going to cover that one because that, that is a heck of a journey for, for what... Well, it's an under-21 squad, I think, isn't it, technically? Um, but you're allowed a, a few overage players. But... As we saw last year, me and Paddy went to Oxford when we saw Shea Hutchinson score, of course, who we then heard this sort of amazing story about his kidney transplant and, and of course, that ongoing battle for, for Shea as well. He, he needs another one because um, of Alport syndrome, which he has. Um, but they also played Portsmouth and, and Crawley. They beat Crawley, didn't they, if I'm remembering that rightly? In, in, in they the did, yeah, yeah, they did, yeah. But that's an interesting competition, isn't it? Yeah, it, it, it is. And there's a lot of controversy around it as well, certainly from yeah. sort of the lower end of the pyramid and allowing those academy teams in. Um, so it's, it's, it's quite a, a controversial one for them to, to be in. And I think they're, I'm right in saying they're the only championship academy in it, aren't they? I think there was, there was one of the Premier League teams who didn't accept an invite. Um, I want to say Spurs, but I might be wrong. Um, and so that's, that's been given to Norwich as, as a Category 1 academy. So that's that's an interesting side to it as well but um in terms of Norwich's perspective which is the only way you can look at it really it's it's a really good opportunity for I know Josh Martin featured last year as well didn't he and it's just it's it's some really good exposure to to play seasoned EFL sort of teams and, and players at that as well so I, I think it's, it's too good of an experience to turn out I mean it's a, it's going to be a really tough group I mean New, Newport are physically very good in, in League 2 Cheltenham had a fairly decent campaign last year as well and Plymouth have just got promoted to League 1 so they're, they're three really tough games for them um, regardless of the travel I think in terms of opposition it's, it's going to be a really good test and a really good experience and maybe a tough experience as well in, in terms of the result and, and, and again you, you probably look for performances but um, in for, for those young lads to be able to test themselves against that sort of opponent and that sort of player that, that they have at their disposal um, I think it's, 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 it's really good for them and, and it is too good for them to turn down in terms of an experience because as as important as, as the sort of youth development leagues are I think that it's well documented that in terms of competitiveness and in terms of what they mean it's is simply not as beneficial as a loan, for example. So um, it, it helps those young lads get exposed to the rigours of, of senior football, I guess, and, and the hard knocks that, 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 that's to come, perhaps. And, you know, for a lot of these players, realistically, they're, they're probably going to be looking at careers perhaps lower down the EFL. And um, it's, it's good exposure to that as well, I think. And um, uh, you know, as you said, Josh Martin. Um, I think from memory, you, you both said looked pretty decent at Oxford, and, and we've yeah. seen how he's how he's um, come on subsequently. So it can make players as well. It can help them state their claim and 
and, and whatnot to, to push for the first team. So I think it's, it's a really good experience for them. The travel is not ideal uh, for them or, or for us or for supporters if, if they're allowed to attend at that point. So that's, that's obviously a downside. But yeah, too good to turn down for me in terms of an experience, regardless of perhaps the controversy and the, the, the noise from the FL clubs, which I think I, I, I totally understand, given um, that realistically it probably should just be a trophy for them. Yeah, um, Martin was the standout player at Oxford that night. Um, Billy Johnson looked good in goal that day, although he's been released and um, has gone to Stevenage now, hasn't he? Um, that was Akin Famuwo. I think that was the first time I saw him play wearing the captain's armband. Looked very good that night, and they they were so unlucky not to at least draw at Oxford because they'd taken the lead, of course, and then uh, ended up conceding two late goals. That was really unfortunate for them. Um, so, yeah, that'll be one to, uh, to, to keep an eye on. Um, right, well, just to finish with then, let's bring in a city legend, Grant Holt. Um, went to, um, you, you may well know, the Fur and Feather uh, pub and restaurant at Wood Bastwick, um, fortunately not too far from my house. So I nipped out there uh, early this week uh, to... Speak well, Grant Holt, Darren Huckabee were there in their roles as club ambassadors, but essentially the club have renewed their partnership with Woodfords, who, of course, you, you'll know, sponsor the Barclay stand. That's been renewed for next season, uh, but the uh, their role as one of the main club partners has been extended for uh, for, for five years. Um, I spoke to um, Sam Jeffrey from the club as well, who said that. They could have walked away. Of course, it's a challenging time for businesses, as it is for, for Norwich and all football clubs with, with the COVID-19 pandemic. It's having that, that big financial impact. We are officially in recession in the country, of course, but um, Woodford's still in a, in a positive and strong enough position that they can continue with the club. So I spoke to Grant a little bit about that, uh, but also we turned our attention to the football, of course, and here is what he had to say. Okay, Grant, so here at Woodford's, um, how, much, how nice is it to see that Norwich has sort of involved with local companies like this? No, I think we pride ourselves on that. We're um, in the community, that's what we're all about. I think everyone knows that Norwich is a community club um, and to get people like Woodford's involved and especially at the moment with the deal they've signed and, and things all up in the air, it's, it's absolutely fantastic for both parties to be involved in it. Yeah, Like, like a beer yourself? Yeah, I've had one or two in the time, yeah. Look, I, I like the diversity of it. That's why I always said about Woodfords and stuff and, and coming down here. I've been here a few times for, for lunch and stuff like that. And I try, try and as many as I can, but I've got to be careful. To be fair, the Barclay is obviously sort of um, hallowed ground for Norwich fans, isn't it? So that, they're going to take seriously any sponsorship. But I, I think most people have thought that the, the Woodfords logo on the front of it has looked pretty good. Yeah, I think it's worked. It's worked really well. As I said, as, as a football club, this is what Brandon's all about and that's what commercial things we have to do and I said at the moment to get the, the contract these have just signed with the climate we've just been in and uh, it's, it's phenomenal really that the two parties have come together to kind of continue doing it together which is fantastic. Okay um, how much are you missing football then I mean it's, it's been so strange isn't it and you're, you're someone that's used to being at games live all the time how are you sort of managing without your, your football fix? Um, to be brutally honest I've quite enjoyed it to yeah. be honest with you so it's been a nice to sit at home with the kids and have a bit of time so but in terms of like watching it and stuff it's been a, a killer trying to watch the games no fans I can't have the fake noise that's in the background doesn't really get it and then I'm watching it and the other way around so it is it is a bit strange as I said it's um, one of them things that you've just got to kind of get on with uh, the sooner we can get back in the stadiums the better but when it's right to do so What about yourself you, you were still playing last year weren't you for, for Wroxham and a bit for Horsford and stuff what, what do you think with your playing days are they are they still going Yeah I'm still doing it. I've been doing pre-season and keeping fit and um, I've got a game tonight so I won't be having too many beers here today obviously maybe just have one um, but no it's it's good I said it, I'll keep going as long as I can keep playing and nothing else gets in the way so as soon as the job stops we playing that's when I'll stop I'll ask you a little bit about Barrow as well I mean uh, a club that is sort of close to your heart I guess I mean, how, how pleased are you to to see them in the Football League yeah absolutely delighted I said they've waited a long time to do it and then finally achieved it to go into the league um, and I think they'll do well they'll have a good push it's great for the, the community as I said they've the one thing they've done a bit like Norwich is they've bought into the community spirit. They've got people on board who, and companies on board that really want to see the, the city succeed. So for them, it's fantastic. As I said, as, as well for Kings Lane, absolutely delight for Ian Culverhouse to, to finally get up. And, and, and for them, it's great for us to have a, a club like that on the doorstep in, in the National League. So I'm looking, for, looking forward to covering them next season. Yeah, it's quite exciting. They've got a few of the Norwich lads already going there, haven't they? Um, do you think that'll be a good sort of breeding ground for the National League? I mean, it's, it's a big test for Kings in to start with. Yeah, it's a big test. As you talked, just said about Barrow going to League 2, National League's no different to League 2 at the moment um, in terms of the quality in there. So it's going to be a big test. And I said, it's great for us. We we needed, um, we've got, we send our lads on loan here, then everywhere, to now have a National League team on the doorstep. It's fantastic for the club. 
Okay, Norwich then. Um, we won't look backwards too much. I think plenty's been said on that front, hasn't it? But how pleased are you to see the, the sort of rebuild get, getting going really quickly? Yeah, well, I said it's, it's one of them things. You, you don't do... You don't just sit around hoping for the best. You, we, we do all the work in the background. You've got all the targets. You get everything sorted. Um, you've always got to have one eye in if you go down or if you don't go down. Uh, I think we've been behind the scenes in lockdown. I think that there's a fantastic recruitment department, Kira and everyone getting, and Stuart Weber and getting everything sorted for the, to, to come in and get the lads to come in. So it's great. And I said, if you look at a bit of business, it's pretty similar to what we'd expect in terms of the kind of players and the kind of people want to bring in the football club. And I'm excited for next year. Um, Kieran Dowell's come in. He, he did very well for your, one of your former clubs in Forest. Do you, do you know much about him? I think he's a, he's a player that uh, fans have been quite excited about. Yeah, he's very good. Good player. As I said, he's, I think a lot of the signs that came in and, and we, we look at them and think, look, skip even in yesterday. It's like good players, good footballers and, and, and they fit our model. I said, I think that's what you see now with our signings. I don't think you see anyone coming and go, I'm not so sure. I think everyone who kind of looks now and looks at the players that we bring in, you can see where they fit into the into the squad and, and the way Daniel wants to play and where the football club. So they're, they're the kind of characters come in now. I think that's the biggest thing. We've got, we've got a structure, we've got a, a way of doing things and the signings will excite the fans, I think. Finally, then I mean, Norwich fans have sort of seen the club come down from the Premier League and seen how difficult it can be to to shake off the hangover. As a as a former player, what do you think are sort of the key things the players need to do to really keep on track during that first half of the season, particularly? Just going to do what they've done when they won it. So it's the same thing. I can't see that many changes. And I said the old the lads who have done it before know what it's like to do it, and the new lads are buying into it because they come. They want, the reason we've got the signings coming in because they want to be successful, and they're coming to a club that yes, we've been relegated quite a few times, but we've been promoted quite a few times. So. And as I said before, you've got to get out of your head. The relegation is relegation. The stay in the Premier League is tough. We've got a football club who's financially stable. We've got fantastic assets in the building. We've got an out in training ground that's just been finished off. It was on the back end, probably one of the, the best in the country now in terms of the academy and the pitches and what we've got. So that's where our future will be. I said we, we need to bring players through. We need to bring them through the academy. The academy is in a great place. And, and you look who we brought through at the end of the season, likes of Martin Ida to come on the bid. So what, what more, more do you want as a football club? Thanks, Grant. From true crime to football, Brexit to folklore. For more great podcasts from Archant, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archant. OK, I think that'll do for this week. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Oh, there is a couple of City players in action I did want to mention, actually. Rocky Bashiri is uh, in lone action with Michelin over in Belgium and Isaac Thorvaldson started getting a bit of action uh, with St Mirren in the Scottish Premiership as well. So um, there is a couple of players to, to be keeping an eye on. But otherwise, I think we'll be uh, mostly fixed on on transfers from here on in. Uh, Connor, thanks very much for your time today. As you are supposed to be on a day off, but you very, very kindly <laughs> uh, very kindly join us for, for the show. So enjoy the rest of your day off. Cheers. Thank you very much. And we will uh, catch up with you guys very soon. Thank you very much for listening. Any ratings or reviews, always very much appreciated. If you're not already subscribed, then please do. You can hear us on Future Radio 107.8 FM as well. And keep it locked to pinkin.com. There's plenty more transfer action on the way. We're still just under two months left of the window. But for now, thanks for listening, and we'll catch up with you very soon. <laughs>